If you have parents or grandparents who are still living, you have got to listen to today's episode with Curtis Bailey. Curtis and his partner started Senior Scam Action Associates, and they teach seniors and their loved ones how not to get scammed. If you are worried about your parent or grandparent or even yourself getting scammed, stay tuned for today's episode of Rock Your Retirement. The majority of the instances of financial fraud or exploitation occur as a result of actions of a a trusted friend or family member. Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. Hi, this is Kathy with Rock Your Retirement. I'm very excited to be interviewing Curtis Bailey today. He's an expert in elder scam and fraud prevention. This is something that affects so many of our parents, and it's very near and dear to my own heart because I go to senior communities and perform fraud prevention workshops. Curtis is also an elder law attorney who works at the Huffman Law Offices in Shiloh, Illinois. Curtis, did I say that right? You did indeed, Kathy. Awesome. Usually I pronounce things wrong. Okay, perfect. He does all kinds of things in addition to scam and fraud prevention, including elder law, Medicaid, veterans benefits, planning for disabled beneficiaries, and other types of estate planning. But we're going to stick to the fraud and scam abuse and elder abuse portion of his practice today. If you're interested in the other things that he does, we'll have his contact information in the show notes, and he'll also give it out at the end of the show. Curtis is the co-founder of Senior Scam Action Associates that helps seniors, their caregivers, and professionals that serve seniors recognize, prevent, and recover from scams and other financial exploitation. Curtis, welcome to the show. Kathy, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm honored. It's my pleasure. This is something that is so needed for our families. This actually happened to me once. I had my identity stolen. This was before ID theft was a big thing. I was in my 20s and my roommate had a friend come over and that friend saw some checks in the closet and stole some of them and started writing checks in my name. I got a a phone call from my bank and said, were you at such and such bar? And it was a a bar I'd never been to and said, no. (laughs) Thankfully, they refunded my money. I think at the time they didn't need to. So is it true that most fraud happens from somebody that you know? Well, you know, that's an interesting uh, observation. And it is true, it seems, that uh, the majority of the cases of fraud, identity theft, or financial exploitation occur through a trusted family member or friend. And that's what makes this doubly sad, is we all hear the stories about the anonymous phone caller or emailer But what we don't often hear is the true extent of the exploitation that is perpetrated by a a fellow family member or a close friend. And those are the heartbreaking uh, stories that we hear and deal with on a daily basis. But I, I think your observation is correct that the majority of the instances 
of financial fraud or exploitation occur uh, as a result of actions of uh, a trusted friend or family member. And that makes it even it worse. Absolutely. I mean, not only is it financially devastating, but it's emotionally devastating and uh, uh, it's hard to trust people huh, after something like that happens, particularly when it is a trusted individual that is the uh, scammer or the person doing the exploiting. Well, it's a huge, I, I don't know what the word is. It's just such a betrayal, uh, that, you know, when it's a family member. Yeah, that's the perfect word. You know, like I said, it's not just uh, the financial damage that is caused and the devastation that that can cause. Uh, we deal with people who lose or have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars as a result of oh a my scam gosh. or exploitation. And obviously for your listeners who are approaching or in retirement, that they know that something like that can absolutely gut a well-crafted retirement plan. But it is further the emotional toll that it takes on people. And there are plenty of stories in the press we see on a daily basis where people have actually committed suicide as a result of that betrayal. So, Oh, my gosh. I Oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I mean, oh, that is just horrible. Yeah, it's just devastating. And to see the impact that it has in people's lives on a daily basis, it, it can be it can be tough, very tough. Uh, and that's why we have spent as much time and we're devoting the effort to educating as many people as we possibly can about how to prevent and protect themselves from scams and fraud and, you know, hopefully be able to uh, to impact the the, the number of occurrences that happen out there. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for putting together the Senior Scam Action Associates. That's a fantastic service that you're providing to people. And we really appreciate it. Thank you. It's uh, it is truly a gratifying project that I'm working on. I have a, a partner uh, who actually comes to this project as a result of dealing with a scam of his stepfather and his stepfather lost uh, about $70,000 to uh, to a fake lottery scam. So he brings the firsthand experience of what it was like learning about it and then dealing with it. And we're combining our resources and our expertise to uh, educate as many people as we possibly can. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk to your audience about it as well. Well, again, it's such a needed thing. Now, the fake lottery scam, that is not normally conducted by a family member. And I get emails on a daily basis now where somebody is sending me a bill. And I never open these bills because I know that I don't recognize the company and I they're zip files. And I'm just assuming that it's a virus to uh, attack my computer. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect response. Do you address those type of things in your organization? We do. You know, it's very interesting. We, we started the, uh, the project thinking that we were going to be talking primarily about that family-on-family financial exploitation or the caregiver exploitation, as well as probably heard the grandparent scam, IRS scams, 
and those some of the common things, but as we've gotten into the project, man, we've expanded into talking about cybersecurity, malware, identity theft. It's taken us down a number of paths that we didn't even really anticipate when we started the program. So absolutely, the, those kinds of emails that you receive, and I receive them on a daily basis too, and your response to that email is absolutely the right one. Ignore it. Do not, under any circumstance, click on a link because it will be either malware or ransomware now is sort of the the hot trend we're seeing. Right. Ransomware. Do you want to explain to my listeners what that is? Yeah, well, ransomware is a, a computer program that if you click on that link and open it, it gets installed onto your computer or onto your laptop or your iPad or even now your cellular telephones, and it will lock it. It will lock it down and the screen will read, you must pay X number of dollars in order to receive the code to unlock it. It's a huge problem in business and industry and primarily in the medical industry. Hospitals have been attacked all across the country and their computer systems are locked until they pay the ransom. Oh my gosh. Let me ask you a question. If they have backups, like for example... Uh, Carbonite or one of those type of backup systems that are offline, does the ransomware affect them from being able to restore their backups or how does that work? Well, so far, no. However, you know, that's probably the next step in the chain is if there is some sort of connection, even to the cloud, so to speak, you know, that offsite online kind of storage opportunity. Developers of these programs are smart people. And they adapt and they... And they have nothing to do except create viruses because they're all in India where there's no jobs and they all have master's degrees. Yes, very smart, very smart people. (laughs) But, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of this is homegrown too. And uh, Well, and by the way, I don't want anyone to think that I'm prejudiced against people who live in India or any other country. I'm just noticing that there's a lot of smart people in the world who don't have jobs. Well, that's right. And a lot of the uh, scams and the frauds do originate offshore out of the U.S. They originate in the Caribbean. They originate in Africa. They they originate in Eastern, Nigeria. Eastern Europe, Nigeria. Well, there's a prince, a prince that lives in Nigeria that keeps contacting yeah, me. Yeah, he wants a date or... Uh... I don't know, is somebody died and he needs somebody <laughs> in the U.S. to cash a check for him. Sure, so sure, yeah. like a million dollars and I'll get 10%. Yeah, so. Absolutely. People fall for it, you know. I mean, it seems incredible, and, and uh, you know, all of your listeners are, would probably say, how in the world would anybody fall for this? But people do. The scammers uh, and the exploiters are very adept at pushing the right emotional levers and the right emotional buttons, and very smart people fall for this, just the way it is, unfortunately. Well, it's really unfortunate. And as we get older, our mental faculties do slow down a little bit. You know, I have a client that I'm working with, and he's always been super sharp. And now he's telling me, look, I need some more time to think because I'm not really understanding about this. And what a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, if you have a parent who seems like they're getting dementia, one of the first things that you should have them checked out for is that this is so weird, is a urinary tract infection. Because a urinary tract infection can make you seem like you have dementia. Very true. And as you get older, you don't feel it like younger people do. And I was talking with one of my clients and I said, look, go get checked out. Now, he didn't have one 
you know, he's totally fine. But but yes, I'm sure you come across that all the time where somebody thinks they have dementia and then it turns out it's just a urinary tract infection and the dementia goes away once the uh, urinary tract infection goes away. Yes, indeed. You know, that's, that's something that uh, is a very good point that you bring up. People really need to make sure they rule out some kind of organic medical cause of the cognitive decline, because it's not always a precursor of dementia or Alzheimer's, uh, things of that, that nature. Sometimes there is an organic medical reason for it. And so a urinary tract infection is probably at the top of the list, believe it or not. So uh, it's a, so yeah, weird. Yeah, it is, isn't it? That's a, that's a great point you bring up. But one thing I did want to mention, uh, you had started this line of conversation about cognitive decline. And in fact, there's a very recent study that was conducted by Boston College, uh, and they have a Center for Retirement Research at Boston College, looking at the causes of financial fraud and, and why do people fall for it? What makes them susceptible to scams and frauds, particularly older adults over age 50? And what the study concluded was that cognitive decline is the number one cause of scam susceptibility or fraud susceptibility, if you will. But the second one, which I think is the most surprising, is overconfidence in one's financial capabilities. So if you layer some level of cognitive decline, which we all have as, as a natural part of aging, with that feeling of overconfidence, it, it's kind of a, a witch's brew, if you will, a perfect storm of problems that lead seemingly smart, capable individuals to fall victim. I totally get it. What was your name again? No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm the Nigerian prince. <laughs> <laughs> what were we talking about? Okay, now I have a question for yes. you. So this show is not about money. It's not about investments or anything financial, but I am still, I'm giving information that my listeners don't know. But I am still technically a financial advisor. And a few years ago, a client of mine called me and she has since passed away. She called me and said, Kathy, I want to change the beneficiary on all of my accounts to be my caregiver. And this had been a caregiver who had been with her for a while, like maybe, if I remember correctly, 15 years. And I said, hey, are, are you sure you want to do that? And she said, yeah. And I could hear her caregiver behind her. Her caregiver was in the room. And I said, are you really sure? You know, you're disinheriting your family. And she said, that's what I want to do. And so send me the paperwork. And so, you know, I'm obligated to do what my client wants. She was not cognitively impaired. She was physically impaired. She had rheumatoid arthritis, quite uh, bad. She was in a wheelchair and couldn't get around. And I watched her decline over a 20-year period. So then when she passed, her caregiver got the house, got about $600,000 in annuities and some other things. And her, I think her sister got $50,000, which her sister actually needed to use in order to pay the fees. So her sister basically was the executor, but wound up with nothing. And she had to do all the work and her sister was not happy at all. So what about that? I mean, I work with a lot of caregivers because of what I do. I work with, with a lot of caregiving companies. And somebody told me that I was actually responsible to report that, that I was an obligated reporter, but nobody ever told me that I was obligated to report that. And I had no knowledge 
before I started working in the senior care industry, I had no knowledge of who I would even report that to. I did report it to my compliance officer and they said, well, she's able to change her beneficiary to whoever she wants. So can you address that? What about caregivers? What do you do about that? Well, you know, there's there's a whole uh, host of issues raised by that uh, unfortunate scenario. And the, the, the first one is uh, when we talk to professionals, we do talk to professionals about whether they should or whether they can report their suspicion of financial exploitation. And unfortunately, a lot of times that is a caregiver who is the potential exploiter. There are classes of professionals that are mandatory reporters. Think uh, physicians, counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists, nurses, those kinds of folks are mandatory reporters. So if you had been one of those professionals and you suspected that the caregiver was exploiting your patient or client, you would be a mandatory reporter and you would have to report that to law enforcement or adult protective services, depending on what kind of apparatus you have in the state where you are you are practicing. Now, to my understanding and my my research, I don't believe any financial advisors are mandatory reporters. Now there is a wave of statutes starting to be enacted in various states that will make financial advisors permissive reporters. Oh. Yes, which I think is a very positive development because quite frankly, it is the financial advisor that is going to be on the front lines often of seeing this kind of scenario play out in front of them with their client. And if they're a permissive reporter, then they're given immunity if they do report. But they have no knowledge. I have to tell you, even if I were a permissive reporter, I, no training, no knowledge of who to even report to. Like, I had no idea what health and human services was at the time. So hopefully these laws that they're enacting to make the, the financial advisors, and I'm assuming estate planning attorneys as well, permissive reporters, that they will give some training. You know, here, here's who you report to. Well, you're right. Uh, and I think, I think the financial services industry is starting to recognize that shortcoming and providing that kind of training, and particularly in the states that are enacting these kinds of statutes that allow a financial advisor to do it. You know, interestingly enough, uh, attorneys are not mandatory reporters, and most of these state statutes don't address attorneys in the context of permissive reporting because of attorney-client privilege, the ethical duties of confidentiality. It's tricky for us in the legal world to, to report when we have a suspicion that our client is maybe being exploited, but has all of their faculties and conditions. I mean, it almost comes down to a situation where the attorney or the financial advisor almost has to withdraw from, right. from exactly. which I don't think is necessarily a good result <laughs> at the end of the day, because at the end of the day, what our overriding goal should be is to protect our client. If we're not there, then chances are, are very high that there will be nobody 
that uh, this person is, has looking out for their best interests. So it's a, it's a tough one. And we talk to professional groups all the time about that. And we talk to caregivers about that and caregiving companies to make sure they're uh, monitoring their paid caregivers and making sure that there, there aren't uh, these kinds of exploitation issues involved with their employees or contracts. Now, most of the caregivers who exploit wouldn't do what my client, you know, they wouldn't work for 15 years and then have them change the beneficiaries. What they would do is probably take things while the person was still alive, correct? Yeah. And we see that a lot. You know, unfortunately, there are some caregivers that are serial exploiters, I call them. They may work for somebody for a while and and take some cash, take some jewelry, do do those kinds of exploitations. And then if they're, if they're, um, uh, the person they're giving care to passes away, then they'll move on to the next one and they'll just do it again and again and again. Mm. Uh, and, you know, these are the kinds of crimes that are difficult, number one, to detect oftentimes until after they've long occurred. Uh, and number two, uh, oftentimes families aren't reporting it. Uh, and clearly the person who's being exploited is not reporting it to the authorities. So it's it's a devilishly difficult crime to uh, investigate and to prosecute. Yeah. So what do you do? What can you do to help prevent these type of things from happening? Well, first and foremost, uh, we believe it is uh, an education issue on a number of fronts. Uh, and number one is we uh, talk to seniors about how to recognize what we call the dead giveaways for a scam. And there's there's certainly uh, many more than the 10 we've identified, but we, we want the senior to understand that when that stranger is approaching them and promising them the moon, that it's too good to be true. And uh, that old saying is true. If it is too good to be true or it sounds too good to be true, it is. Now, on the personal exploitation side, again, we try to educate the seniors as much as possible to have a team of trusted people around them. We find that when the senior or the older adult is isolated from a social circle, a religious circle, or have professional advisors around them, that those are the seniors that wind up being exploited more often than not. It's kind of like they get cut out from the herd, so to speak, and then they're easy to exploit. So we do a lot of education on how to recognize those signs that somebody's trying to exploit you and to scam you. In addition, we talk to their family members because oftentimes it's the family member that's going to be the one to recognize it. So we want to talk to those people and educate them on what the dead giveaways of a scam and a fraud are. And even more interestingly, I think, uh, because I never came to this project looking at the emotions behind a scam uh, victim, but there are several emotional levers that scammers will use to exploit a person. And it makes perfect sense after you think about it for a while. If a senior is fearful, they're going to be vulnerable to a scam for somebody coming in and offering them immediate comfort or immediate money, those kinds of things. If they're lonely, again, they're very easy to exploit if they're in that kind of emotionally vulnerable state. 
So we talk to seniors and caregivers about recognizing those emotions. It's kind of a self-assessment, if you will, to, to make sure you understand where you are emotionally so that if somebody comes in and tries to push one of those levers, you know what's going on. In other words, your rational brain has enough time to take over from the emotional brain and steer you in the right direction. That's great advice. So you said there's 10 giveaways for senior fraud. Do you want to talk about what those 10 giveaways are? Yeah, so these are the what we've identified to be the 10 dead giveaways for a scam, and we're certainly open to adding to the list if people, if your audience has some more to add. Number one, the scammer is almost always very nice and charming. I mean, they're overly nice and charming. They will spend hours talking to a senior about their family and about their experiences in life. So if somebody is overly nice and charming, particularly somebody you just met or you don't know, you should be on guard. I'm not saying that that's definitely going to lead to a scam, but it's something you ought to say, wait a minute, why is this person being that nice to me? And, and again, please, we, we don't want your audience or anyone to think that we're advising people to not trust anybody, but we just want you to have a healthy skepticism when people contact you out of the blue, so to speak, are overly nice and charming. If uh, the scammer asks you to keep secrets, okay, please don't tell anyone else. This is a perfect illustration of what's called the grandparent scam. So the grandparent scam is when the older adult receives a telephone call from somebody claiming to be their grandchild and saying, Grandma, uh, I'm, I'm on spring break. I'm in Mexico. I'm in a bit of a trouble. Uh, you know, I've been arrested. I need bail money. Please, please, please don't tell my mom or dad. Okay, right there that if a scammer asks you to keep something secret, then that leads to a problem. Even if it's a family member. Even if it's a family member. Yeah, because that's a topic mom or dad should be dealing with, not grandma or grandpa, right? Right. That's a very common giveaway for a scam. Obviously, if the uh, scammer asks you to wire money or to receive money from someone you do not know, that is a dead giveaway of a problem. And we see this all the time. This is a way that criminals will launder money is they'll ask you to receive some money and, you know, you can keep a, a small cut out of it and please just forward it on to this address. And there you go. That's a dead giveaway of a scam. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't I let someone wire money to my own account and then just keep all of it? <laughs> well, because the feds will be tracking that wire. And, oh. uh, yeah. and guess what? <laughs> all of a sudden, uh, you'll be the one that has some uh, explaining to do, as we say here in the Midwest. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So I can't scam the scammer. Exactly. I can't say, sure, wire it to my account. And then just, oh, what? I never got any money yeah, I didn't, from yeah, you. I didn't see that. <laughs> and then they... Then they come and beat you Right, up. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> send it again. <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. so all of our dead giveaways really kind of revolve around this central theme, and that is the scammer chooses you. In other words, the, the scammer is calling you, is emailing you, is contacting you, is offering you something. You're not reaching out to them asking for an offer or anything, but they are contacting you. So anytime somebody contacts you, 
and and provides a you know a promise or makes an offer like this, your uh, scam detector should start quivering, so to speak. Like, wait a minute, this this is not right. Okay, well that makes total yeah. sense. Do you have a document that my that my listeners can download? You know the ten ways to tell if somebody's a scammer? I do. Yes. In fact, we have, uh, what, as I said, what we've titled the 10 dead giveaways for a scam. We have that document and it is located uh, on our website for our podcast. Okay, perfect. And I'll include a link Super. to it in the show notes. I know that I've personally had things happen to me over the years and I'm hoping that nothing happens to my own parents. Although my dad has Parkinson's disease and I don't know if you know this, but Parkinson's, the medicine that you take makes you want to do whatever your vice is. It makes you want to do it more. He was a gambler when I was young. When we lived in Alaska, he used to get together with the guys and they'd gamble and and he was really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> After he started taking the medicine, he went on a cruise and was gambling and lost $10,000. And my stepmother was furious, absolutely furious. And he, just like you said, very confident about his abilities with money. And he said, well, I've made more than that in the stock market during our trip. So I'm not worried about it. <laughs> but she basically cut off cruises for several years after that because she couldn't control if he was going to just go over and gamble. What you said really hits home where people are overconfident and then their mental faculty. Now, now gambling's not a scam, technically, but I kind of see how the two fit together where some of these medications too could make you more susceptible to a very scam. Very true. Very true. It takes a strong spouse or a strong child or even now strong grandchild to be able to recognize those kinds of things and step in and, and intervene, uh, have an intervention if necessary. I mean, there's always a challenge and the difficulty of taking rights away from somebody, right? We don't want to have to file for a guardianship over our spouse or over our parent and take away their right to make their own decisions. But on the flip side of that, when those decisions are clearly a result of some form of cognitive decline or overconfidence uh, in one's own abilities to the point that it's not only impacting them, but impacting their entire family, then uh, I advise people, you have to take action. You have to step in. And, you know, just like uh, your stepmom had to stop those cruises, you have to get the individual away from the scenario or the circumstances or the environment where they are falling victim to scams and frauds. And you just have to do it and be unapologetic about it. Mm, well, it's tough because, you know, there's emotions involved. Incredibly tough. Incredibly tough. You know, it's easy for me to say it, right? But it's, it's an incredibly challenging situation to be in, particularly when the vast majority of us have no professional training on how to deal with that kind of situation and deal with the emotions, let alone the practical side of it, which is things that we talk about on how to freeze credit and to stop bleeding from the bank accounts and shut down credit cards and those kinds of things. So not only do you have to deal with those things, but you do have to deal with the emotions. And that's probably the most difficult thing that folks have to work with is that emotion 
emotion of feeling a loss of control when you step in and intervene. So it's it's incredibly challenging. I honor all of the people that I work with for going through the experience and and dealing with it with humility and grace. That's about the two best things I can offer to people is uh, be humble and and have grace and know you'll get through it. Yeah. Great advice. So you just talked about some documents. So what types of documents should people be aware of that can help their parents either not get scammed or recover from scams? Well, first and foremost, uh, as an estate planning attorney, elder law attorney, uh, I believe in the power of uh, documents called powers of attorney and where the older adult has appointed an agent to be able to take financial matters into their hands legally if necessary. And in fact, we're drafting those kinds of documents now with the notion of scams in mind. In other words, if uh, an older adult maybe is now withdrawing large sums of money from an ATM over uh, a length of time, that's unusual. Uh, we're giving uh, the agent the ability to use that document to step in and intervene immediately. First and foremost, I think if you are a family member of an older adult, you should have conversations with your parents or grandparents about having powers of attorney. Number two, uh, I think everybody should take advantage of a free credit report. Everybody in this country has the right to a free credit report once a year. And there are three main reporting agencies. So you can actually stagger it so that every four months you're getting your free credit report from one of the main reporting agencies. And I think everybody should do that, and particularly older adults, uh, because those kinds of identity theft issues, the, the situation you dealt with, uh, when you were younger, you, you people don't may not know anything about it until they see something on a credit report. So that's that's kind of the first uh, line of defense, if you will. Now, how do they get that free credit report? Because some of these companies that advertise, they're trying to sell you something. So how do you get the actual free credit report and not get sold some kind of credit monitoring service? <laughs> sure. Great question. If you go to annualcreditreport.com, that is the link to the free credit report. Now, the three agencies are given the opportunity to advertise for a charge to get the credit score. So if an individual wants just their credit report, then they can get that for free. However, if they want to know what their credit score is, then each of the three agencies is allowed to to charge for that and offer it uh, as an add-on. Don't need to do it. And for the vast majority of people, for the purpose that we're suggesting here that they should get credit reports, you don't need to know the number. You just need to see the listing. Perfect. So annualcreditreport.com, because there's some others that's, that sound similar, but they're not. So what other documents, if any, should somebody have to help? Well, again, um, the, the powers of attorney are the first line of defense from an estate planning standpoint. Revocable living trusts can be used as well to be a, a, another safety net, if you will, to at least provide some protection for that individual's assets. The financial services industry is changing now, and I think thankfully uh, they're changing uh, for the good, and they're allowing family members to maybe receive notification uh, of unusual transactions and things of that nature. So I would definitely advise 
your audience to talk to your financial advisor and your bank about what kinds of tools are available as you try to help navigate with your older parent or grandparent. That's excellent advice. Thank you so much. You have been so helpful, a wealth of information. How can our listeners get a hold of you if they want to talk with you more about well, what you again, do? Well, again, thank you, Kathy, for the opportunity to, to come on and share this information. My co-host, uh, his name is Art Maines. He and I have a podcast called ScammerCast, and so our podcast website is ScammerCast.com. We interview experts in a variety of fields, all revolving around the topic of prevention and recovery from scams and fraud. That may be the, the easiest way to reach me. The, the second way would be uh, on Facebook. We do have a Senior Scam Action Associates page on Facebook. On Twitter, we have a ScammerCast page. And then my uh, personal page is Bailey Law, L-A-W, and the number one. And I'm on LinkedIn under Curtis Bailey. So... We're all over the web and the social media, so any one of those ways would be a great way to contact me and talk to me if uh, any of your listeners wish. Perfect. Thank you so much. And once again, what is the name of that document, The 10 Ways to Tell if You're Being Scammed? Can you just repeat that name? The 10 Dead Giveaways of a Scam. Okay, and I'll have a link to that on the show notes as well for my listeners. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Curtis. And for my listeners, we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. I hope you enjoyed the discussion regarding senior scams as much as I did with Curtis Bailey. Now, we've put together a great little freebie for you called the 10 Dead Giveaways for a Scam. And you can get that just by going to rockyourretirement.com slash scam. Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. Hi, this is Kathy. When I'm not hosting Rock Your Retirement, I'm helping people with their Medicare insurance. One of the times you need to check your Medicare insurance is when you've moved. To get my free guide, Five Things You Need to Know About Medicare When You Are Moving, just go to medicarequick.com move. And in the meantime, listen to these cool disclosures. Neither Medicare Quick nor its agents is connected with the federal Medicare program. Medical insurance licensed in the states of California, Florida, Nevada, and Texas, and Medicare Advantage and Prescription Drug Plan service areas vary. California Insurance License 0797566. Oh, wait. I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. 
You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August, actually August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.